seated. Thank you, worship team. Do you feel like truth is being blocked out today? <laughs> so I'll give you an easy question. There it is. I am not that old. <laughs> Depending on who you ask. I'm amazed at how the efforts are growing to keep truth suppressed. My family and I went to Los Angeles for a graduation for my oldest daughter several weeks ago. When we were there, we stayed at a hotel. It wasn't anything fancy. It was a hotel that you could tell wasn't anything fancy because of the things in the hotel. One of the things was it had a very flimsy curtain on the window. So the windows in, in Los Angeles, you know, they're, they're, the sun's going to come up real early and it's really bright and, and it just beams through the window. My kids prefer to sleep in past 6 o'clock in the morning. Usually that's when the sun comes up and so it was my job to figure out how to keep the sunlight out. I had this flimsy curtain that I could work with but nothing much more and the problem was the air conditioner was right under the flimsy curtain. So when the air conditioner would come on, the curtain would fly out and it would be like somebody's taking pictures in the room, you know, flash, flash, flash. So I finally got up and I said, I'm going to fix this. And I put my bag, uh, the, the bag I carry all over the place, I put my bag on the air conditioner thinking I would hold it. But then the window's so large that the, the sides of the window now start flashing, flashing, flashing. I proceeded to take everything in the room and put it gently and tenderly on the air conditioner so it would lean against this flimsy uh, curtain so that the light would stay out. I had chairs up there. I had the ironing board up there. I had everything leaning on the, like, good thing there's no fire because we're, we're done for, right? There's just this big garage sale of stuff piled against the window and we're not getting out anywhere. I was amazed at how difficult it was to keep the light out. Because when the light shines, it's kind of overpowering. Especially if you prefer to stay in the dark. We come to a passage in scripture this morning in John chapter 8. Some of the most uh, common words that Jesus spoke are out of John chapter 8. Most of the world knows these, even if they don't go to church. I am the light of the world comes from John chapter 8. And there's a few other things. It's going to be fun. But before we get into it, I want to just make a, a, an observation that there's a level of obstinance some people get to when they're exposed to the light of God's truth, and it's difficult to get through that level of obstinance. And apparently this isn't any surprise. God told us these days were coming. Listen to this in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of what church? Teachings of demons. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Apparently, people who are even saying that they are promoting faith of some kind or religion of some kind, even those people will be obstinate to the truth of Jesus Christ. These are people that they will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and 
demon teachings. Insincerity of liars, no conscience. I'm amazed by that verse because apparently evil can be so bad that those who have tasted righteousness or God's truth prefer the bad. They will choose to turn their back on the light of Jesus Christ and they will choose to stay in the dark and promote things that are in the dark. These are the things that apparently come from demons. This was true in Jesus' day, and it is true in our day. And apparently, according to that verse in 1 Timothy, it's going to get worse. Because even if these are not the latter days, we still see this kind of behavior. (laughs) And apparently, in the last days, it's going to be even worse. Satan's goal is to prevent anyone from seeing the truth. That's pretty much the message in a nutshell. Satan's singular goal is to prevent anyone from seeing the truth. And apparently we are all vulnerable to it if we're not changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me read to you another passage of scripture that you may be familiar with from Ephesians chapter 2. If you're an Awana person, here's a familiar verse for you. And you who were dead in the trespasses and sin, and you were dead in trespasses and sins, in, once, in which you also once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Church, we're all in the same boat. This is how we came into this world. (laughs) Cosby, I brought you into this world, I'll take you out. Uh, This is how God brought us into this world. We were captured by the prince of the power of the air, following the devil, in our lives doing the work of the disobedient. We were by nature, according to this passage, we were by nature enemies of God. It always gets me when people say, we're all children of God. Well, it depends on how you define that. Like we're all born as an image of God, but when we come out of the womb, we are enemies of God. How do I know that? How many kids need classes to be bad? Has anyone ever enrolled their children in a class to teach their child to lie, to steal, to be bad, evil in any way? No, no, you know why? That comes natural. What doesn't come natural is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That is foreign to this dark world. That is why our nature is what we need to suppress through the power of the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. Paul said, I die daily. Literally, I'm putting to death this fallenness in my nature that wants to come out. Because we were, by nature, children of wrath, and the devil is only satisfied when he can get you to join him and block out any semblance of light this world will hold. A byproduct of living surrounded by a world tilted toward the darkness of the evil one is that it will eventually lead you to adapt to, to accept, and then to promote ungodly behavior. I have that as a slide there. It's really a good one. Let me say it one more time. 
a byproduct of living surrounded by a world tilted toward the darkness of the evil one is that it will eventually lead you to adapt to, accept, and then promote ungodly behavior. You are living in a world where this is real time all the time. It's no longer acceptable to question behavior that is accepted in modern day culture. That is because we are living in a world where we are to adapt to, accept, and then promote ungodly behavior. In Jesus' day, the Pharisees saw the truth of Jesus on a regular basis, and they worked diligently to keep that light out. They knew who Jesus claimed to be. And like children with their fingers in their ears and la, 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 uh, like uh, Hogan's Heroes. You remember the guy in Hogan's Heroes? I see... I see nothing, I hear nothing. They lied about Jesus. They wanted to stay in the dark. I know, can you believe it? It's crazy when you talk like this, but there apparently is a group of people in Jesus' day that preferred to stay in the dark and not walk in the light. And this is a battleground that Jesus entered into 2,000 years ago, and we kind of walk in it even today. Let me give you some background. We walk into John chapter 8, Jesus is in the temple. This is the continuation of the last great day. You remember the Feast of Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles. Talked about this last week. People would put their tents up in their backyards. It would be a reminder of their exodus from Egypt and their time in the wilderness. One of the things that they did during the Feast of Sukkot, this is the last feast of the year, uh, and this is the last day of the last big feast. Everybody's there sacrifices all week long, six days sacrifice, and on the seventh day, big, big celebration. One of the things they did was they poured the water at the base of the altar and washed the blood away. Do you remember that? And Jesus stood up and whoo, calls out to everybody, says, I am the water, everlasting water. Drink from my everlasting water and you'll never thirst again. But one thing they did as the party continued was they danced and they sang Songs of Ascent, Psalm 120 to 130, all songs of ascent to be sung on this special day. They're dancing, they're singing, and then the darkness comes in because they go into the night. And one of the celebrating moments is they light the torches around the the temple. And when they light the torches, it's a big time, a big celebration. All these torches are lit. The wicks actually on these torches were made from priests' garments. It was a very special moment, and the light illuminated the temple where the people gathered to dance and sing praises to the Lord. Big lamp lighting ceremonies, and these lamps would only grow brighter as the darkness got deeper. It reminded the Jewish people of how God had led them through the wilderness, not only with a pillar of fire, but also with a a pillar of cloud, a cloud, uh, a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire by night. People would bring smaller torches into the temple and they would light them and they would sing and dance well into the night. It was one of the happiest occasions of the Jewish calendar. And Jesus stays for it. And after he steals the spotlight from the water ceremony, he steals the spotlight from the lighting ceremony. And here's what he says. Verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them and said, You want to say it with me, church? It's a lot of fun. Here we go. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me 
will not walk in darkness, but will have the light, the light of life. Jesus again puts a spotlight on himself, removes it from the ceremonial ritual that they were doing, and he said, hey, everybody, everybody, we just did the water thing, now let's do the light thing. I am the light of the world. What he's talking about is, I am the truth of God. I am the one that brings truth to a world steeped in lies. The light the leaders that you have been following, the light that they are selling you is a lie. The light the world sells you for hope is fleeting at best. But I am the light of the world that has come from the Father and will remain throughout all time. Jesus is using light as a metaphor for truth. I also love this. Jesus gives water. Last week we talked about this. And he says, only drink once from this water and out of you will flow torrents of water. You remember that? Out of you will flow like a, like a fire hose of water. You will be like a conduit that the Holy Spirit can use to, to, to reach this world and make a difference for righteousness. And he uses the same illustration when it gets to the light. Jesus gives a light, he says, that never burns out. And in a world that constantly grows darker, we can become lights. Out of you, he says, will shine brilliant truth for those walking in the darkness of evil. He made that especially clear in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 and verse 14. He talks to those followers of his, which includes us if you follow Jesus Christ. And he says, you are the, what church? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people put a lamp, uh, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The bottom line is Jesus is exposing origins. He's saying, you've been following a lie and walking in the dark. And Satan is the father of lies, and he works to keep the darkness overcoming the light, keeping the light out. Jesus is saying, that's not me. I'm bringing you truth, and my origin is from the Father. The Jewish leaders, they can't take this. They don't want to take this. They do not want Jesus taking center stage. So they get up. And they push the curtain against the window and they pile everything they can against it. And here's what they do in verse 13. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Now that's the irony of ironies. Because their testimony was not true. They were reducing God to a list of rules. And they were suppressing the people with religion. Jesus was coming to bring the truth. And they accuse him of being the liar. They can't get him to stop talking. And in this passage, in verses that we don't have time to get into, they cannot arrest him. For some spiritual reason, we're not told in Scripture, they try and arrest this guy, and they can't do it. They get frustrated. So because they can't shut him up, and because they can't arrest him, they try to discredit him. See, that's what darkness does. 
if darkness can't get you to shut up, and if darkness can't get you out of the picture and irrelevant, darkness will try to attack your integrity, and it will try to attack your message. When evil people cannot win the argument, they attack you personally. And this is what they did with Jesus. Jesus said, I am the one who bears witness about myself in verse 18, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. The Jewish people had a law where if there was an accusation against somebody, you needed at least two witnesses, visual witnesses, that would come and they would say, yeah, I saw this and I saw that. Those two witnesses were needed in a courtroom setting. Jesus pulls on that and he says, there are two witnesses about me, the Father who sent me and I am the witness about myself. They said to him in verse 19, they said to him, therefore, where is your dad? Where's your father? Jesus answered, you do not know me or my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Jesus is saying, you don't know the origin of truth. You think you do. You tell people you do. You use it to get rich and powerful, but you don't know Jack. You don't know truth. And if you did, you would know who I am and you'd know who my father was. These people were supposed to be speaking for God, but they didn't even hear his voice when it was talking to straight to their face. Now that's kind of blind, don't you think? Do you see that maybe the visual of them getting up and the light coming into the world, but them putting the curtain up and shoving the ironing board and the chairs and everything in the room up against it so that no cracks of light can get through? So Jesus said to them in verse 28, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own authority, but I speak just as the Father taught me. You know what Jesus was saying? Their confusion was expected but their obstinance was dangerous. People question whether or not Jesus is God. I get it. Confusion is expected. People question whether or not Jesus was fully God, fully man. I get it. Confusion is expected. You see, this is what Jesus is saying. Confusion is expected. Obstinance, that's dangerous. Gospel has yet to be fully revealed to these folks. They don't even know about the death and resurrection yet. All they see are the claims from an individual whose mom claimed she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Confusion, understandable. But obstinance is dangerous. The truth would finally break through when Jesus is lifted up. Do you know what that means? Who knows what that means? He said, when I am lifted up, you will understand. What does that mean? cross. When Jesus is lifted up on that cross, they will understand. For some, listening to Jesus was enough for them to consider these claims. Verse 30, as he was saying these things, many, apparently, many believed in him. Now, please understand, they did not believe like they became immediate followers of him. They believed in that they understood what was revealed so far. They were on the Jesus team they just didn't know the whole gospel story. Jesus hasn't been crucified, and he hasn't risen from the dead. He hasn't been risen up yet. And so they have to kind of work with what they've got. The Old Testament, the prof prophetical writings, and then all of a sudden, Jesus. And that's all they have to work with. 
but they have to tackle the horror of a God who dies. This would be very difficult for many who were believing Jesus in these days. Can I ask you a question? Is it possible to know the story of Jesus and it doesn't change you? Is it possible to know about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and it has no effect on your life, on your day-to-day living? Is it possible to quote the Bible and have God's words not change you? Is it possible to claim to teach in Jesus' name and not really be a believer? Did you know Hitler grew up with a Catholic mother who took him to church and at one point in his life he considered being a priest? It's amazing how interested we can be in God and yet no change ever occurs. Some people study the Bible as their life vocation, but it never changes their hearts. And to make it even more personal, I could ask friends even here in this congregation that I know to come up and share how they knew the story of Jesus. They knew his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. They knew that whole story, but it never impacted them until one moment when God visited them through the power of the Holy Spirit and suddenly like a light, get it, light? Like a light, it came on little bulb, ding, and they understood. And it changes lives. It wasn't until they chose to abide in the teachings of Jesus Christ that that truth had an impact. Jesus gives them the missing piece they were ignoring about him and his belief in them when he died on the cross. And once they found that out, once they realized that, that became the truth that would set them free. In fact, here's what he says in verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who, would you read that next phrase with me? Jesus said to the Jews who had, he's talking to those who had believed in him. They were on the Jesus team, but they weren't changed yet. If you abide, he says, in my word, then you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How many of you have heard that phrase before? Uh, I told you, John 8 is full of these wonderful popular phrases. Phrases that I've taken way out of context through all of human history. But in this context, this truth is talking about Jesus Christ. You've probably been in lots of contexts where people have said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. You should be going, amen, that's right, that's Jesus. And they're gonna go, I don't know what you're talking about. But if you read it in the context, this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. You will know the truth of the gospel and that will set you free. And whom the Spirit sets free, whom the Son sets free, will be free indeed. One of the saddest moments in Jesus' life had to be when Pilate was pointing his finger in his face right before the crucifixion. And he looks at Jesus, who is the living truth, and says, what is truth? That's blind. Guys, that is blind. You're literally looking at the Son of God, incarnate 
God standing in front of you, hearing his vocal cords talk the very words of deity. And you're going, I don't know what you're saying right now. Not only do I not hear you, I don't want to hear it. Back up, shut up, or we'll kill you. Many were interested in Jesus, but they're not truly believers. In fact, you can see this in the Greek. It's easily there. This is a pisteo. Nobody really cares, I know, except for Andrew over here. He's a little bit that way. But, uh, so pisteo, this is, this is a belief, this, this faith idea. But it's used in the dative, which simply means they believed him. They, tr- they, they trusted him, but they didn't have a belief that changed them. They were on the che- Jesus team. But nothing had changed their lives. They liked his teaching. They were amazed at his miracles. They applauded his gumption at taking on the authorities of the day. But their reaction to the gospel story would prove whether or not they were actually changed. Jesus calls it abiding in him. Their reaction to the crucifixion and resurrection will determine whether or not they buy the whole truth and nothing but the truth. The disciples, before the crucifixion, all ran away. <laughs> you remember that? Jesus is alone. Peter stuck with him pretty long, but then he like blew it big time. He denied him three times. That's, that's a bit of a scar on your reputation, wouldn't you say? All the disciples, but none of the others were there. Peter stuck with it and blew it, but he stuck with it. And in the end, even he abandoned Jesus, and Jesus died alone. They abandoned Jesus before the crucifixion, but church, they all went to their deaths after the resurrection. Do you know what that tells me? They had a belief in Jesus that changed them. There's a difference between knowing Jesus, knowing about Jesus, and abiding in him, and believing him. That will change your life. It's said that Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified like his Lord, and before he was crucified upside down, he had to watch them kill his family in front of his eyes. Church, do you understand what kind of a change would have to take place in a heart to go through that and not renounce Jesus Christ? This is belief to the highest level. And the reaction to to this reality of Jesus would be proven six months from this moment. Because within six months, the Passover would come, and these same people, the majority of people would scream, not that they are abiding in Jesus, not that they're buying his story. No longer are they on the Jesus team. They would be calling out for his blood. Jesus says, you'll know the truth. The entire plan of God in sending Jesus Christ and your acceptance of that gospel truth will set you free. If you abide in in, in Jesus, a difference can be made in your life. The gospel will change your life in every way. Continuance in God's word is, is the sincerity of my profession. God said it, and I believe it. Call me a simpleton, but that is the test of my faith. It's the acid test of life. The word abide is the key. Abide is the idea that I'm going to stick with the teaching. I'm opening my heart to what God is doing. I'm refusing to listen to the teachings of the demons around me. The word abide is the key word that we need to look at here because the question is, how do you abide in the truth of Jesus Christ? 
How is that setting you free daily? But Jesus says, for now, some of you are captured to do the will of the devil. Do you know what a snare is? A snare is something you hide, something you disguise so that you can catch something, a little rabbit maybe, and have it for Thanksgiving dinner. I don't know. You'll need a couple of them for our family. But you catch these little rabbits on on the trail, and the snare grabs them. They don't see it coming. You disguise it, and then it's got them, and it won't let them go. And you could could go home and have a nap, watch an episode of Seinfeld, you know, whatever you want to do, and then come back, get your rabbit, and take it home because that rabbit's not getting out. Stuck in a snare. You ever get the idea that this world is stuck in these snares? Some of them are just happy to stay there. These, these followers of the Pharisees certainly were happy to stay there. Letting Jesus' life Light, change your life is evidence that you are truly a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said to these Pharisees, he said it in himself, back up in verse 23, he said, you are from below, I am from above. You are from this world, I am not of this world. I told you that, that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Jesus is saying if they really grasped his message and admitted his origins and acknowledged their own origins, they would find salvation, and salvation would set them free. And as I'm reading through this, I have to tell you, I had a question in my mind, and that is this. Is there a line of no return? Do you think there's people in this life that have gone so far into the dark, been captured by snares of the devil so much, that no matter what we do, there's no coming back? Do you know there's a verse in Revelation? <laughs> If you, if you read through the book of Revelation, there's a verse you get to after the bowls and the vials are, the vials are all poured out. Like half the world's population is gone. There's disease. It's just terrible. It's just terrible. People will be cra- calling for mountains to fall on them because they'll want to die and they can't kill themselves for some reason. We had a terrible time in the end times. There's a verse. If you look it up, where it says they will realize the judgment they are receiving is coming from God and they will hate him more. No repentance, no ideas of calling out for mercy, just a vicious hatred of the light. Do you think Judas crossed the line he couldn't come back from? I wonder. Apparently evil will eventually create a heart that hardens so far that it refuses to hear the truth, throws everything it can against the curtain to keep the light out, and then convinces itself darkness is better. Evil can cause people to become obstinate to the truth. John 3.16 is a very comforting verse, true? Love it. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him, Go ahead, let's say it. Should not perish, but have. Do you know the verses that follow that? I'm glad you're sitting. Here's what it says, verse 19. And this is the judgment that light has come into the world. But people love darkness rather than light because their deeds, their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light 
and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light that it may be clearly seen through his works that they have been carried out in God. And this is the distressing point Jesus brings us to in John chapter 8. Apparently, you can work so hard to stay in the dark that you can succeed. Verse 34. Jesus answered them and he said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a, what church? Slave to sin. How many rights does a slave have? Bupkis. You practice sin, you're a slave to sin. It calls the shots, you don't. You think you do. <laughs> that's, that's a great, that's a great uh, game Satan plays with us. You, you think you're calling the shots. But in reality, you're in a snare. You are captured to do the will of the devil. That's what slaves do. They do the bidding of their master. This truth is obvious to all. The truth of Jesus Christ will be obvious to all after the resurrection. Do you ever think about that? You got an empty grave. What are you going to do with that? Like, everybody knows this guy was killed. They know he was flogged twice. He was beaten within an inch of his life. They know he was crucified. They knew the story. The Romans want this done before, uh, the Jews want this done before Sabbath sets in. The Romans just, they just don't want any uprising. They know the whole story. They know that he was buried, but now they got a problem. They got an empty tomb. What do you do with that? Do you know what they do with it? They bribe the guards. They bribe the guards. And you know how they bribe the guards? <laughs> they say, just pretend you don't know what's going on. Just, just lie and say, we, we, don't know, we weren't there, we don't know. See, they had the truth. The light was shining. They knew Jesus' claims, and they wanted to stay in the dark. Mankind loves darkness rather than light because... Our deeds are evil. The Jewish leaders would know the truth, but the truth would not set them free. Isn't that interesting? Some, however, would believe. Nicodemus came to the grave of Jesus and buried him. Nicodemus was a leader among the Pharisees. Some would believe, but unfortunately, the gate to righteousness is very narrow. But wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and many walk that path. Here's the reason the Bible calls evil a snare. It starts by letting you get what you want, but it transitions so that it makes you do what it wants. Can I say that one more time? Here's why the Bible calls evil a snare. It starts by letting you get what you want, but transitions to making you do what it wants. Here's a funnel of evil if you want to I'm stealing this from a friend of mine who goes to our uh, sermon prep, Alex, Pastor Alex, super duper nice guy. He came up with this funnel and I told him I was stealing it. He said, more power to you. So I got permission. Here it is, the funnel of evil. Evil frames genuine faith as a threat to your good. Then evil excuses your heart to get what it wants. Then evil will make you war against the truth. Then evil will make you harm truth tellers. And then evil will own you. Welcome to 2022. 
If you're under the impression that you have been suppressed in what you can say in a public setting, you are not insane. <laughs> you, are, you are not insane. I've never seen it like this. I love to insert Jesus into a conversation. I do it in a very unique way that God has given me to, to do that with a bunch of different people that may or may not know Jesus Christ, but I love doing it, and I'm always interested to see their reaction. Evil will continually funnel us into more intense versions of itself. It will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you're willing to pay. That's what a snare does. That's what evil does. But for those who follow Jesus, who truly abide in Jesus, there is incredible hope. Church, Jesus came to set slaves free. Here's the verse, 35. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, church, will you say it with me? If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You see, the truth will set you free. And if the truth of Jesus Christ sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus was dropped behind enemy lines on a mission. He came to a sinful world. He didn't know sin, but he was dropped behind enemy lines so that he could set slaves free. His job is to take captives captive, to take them and to set them free. So what? Number one, Satan is the father of evil and is seeking to bring you to the bottom of the spectrum of evil, to the bottom of the funnel. Satan will only be happy once he has full claims on your life. He's okay with you being on his team. He's better if you become a cheerleader. Satan loves cheerleaders. He'll give you a deceitful teaching that comes from the demons. This is very biblical in the New Testament. Some deceitful teaching will come from demons, and then he's looking for teammates that will pick up the pom-poms and cheer it on for him. It's amazing to me how people cheer on in the dark. Remember when we started, we said a byproduct of living surrounded in a world tilted toward the evil one is that it will eventually lead you to, adopt, uh, to adapt to, to accept, and then promote ungodly behavior. You want to see a scary verse out of the Old Testament? Look at this one. See if this sounds familiar. Isaiah 5.20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Apparently, some people enjoy calling righteousness unrighteousness and unrighteousness righteousness. Some people will say, we're not in the dark. You see that light out there? That's really the dark. This is the truth. And the truth that they sell you is a snare that will capture you and drag you further and further down. But the truth that Jesus offers you is a salvation that will set you free. The deeper somebody goes down to the spectrum of evil, the more challenging the conversation is for those who want to share Jesus Christ. Evil has convinced them that it is good and that good is bad. <laughs> I'm telling you what, when the cops are, anyway, sorry. I'm not going to get political, but I have to tell you, it's a weird world when bad is good and good is bad. These people thought that they were right with God. Doesn't that amaze you? They thought they were the mouthpieces of God. 
devoting themselves to sacrifice, fasting, studying the Bible. And Jesus tells them, you're so caught in the dark, you have no idea what's going on. Jesus said to them in verse 42, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but God sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because, church, what does it say here? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. Church, if you think when you share the truth with somebody, it seems like they they hear you, but they can't bear to hear it. Welcome to the world of Jesus Christ. They could hear Jesus. They just couldn't bear to hear Jesus. Satan's goal was to keep them from seeing the truth, and so they chose not to see. Number two, without the Holy Spirit, spiritual things cannot be discerned. These experts in the law are obstinate as children. With fingers in their ears, they hear nothing, they see nothing, they will be manipulated by the devil to do his will, even to the point where they kill the one sent from the Father. They'll only be satisfied when evil fully takes their hearts. And yet they were the ones supposed to be speaking for God. And they killed his son. The Holy Spirit is the only person able to break through that kind of obstinance. If you've got friends in your lives and family members and you've been praying for them and you've been pleading with God to pull them toward righteousness, you're doing the right thing. Because basically they need a spiritual lobotomy. Something needs to happen radically in their lives for the Holy Spirit to come in and change their hearts and change their minds. It's not a matter of putting together a wonderful a wonderful ribbon of words so that you'll impress them with your knowledge and your logic. Nothing will break through dark except the Holy Spirit of God. The truth has to set them free. Not your not your words. This is the most frustrating thing for some of us. So throw me into the bucket too. Because I've got family members that are not going to heaven with me. And quite frankly, it breaks my heart and it ticks me off a little bit too. Because sometimes I share the gospel with them and I preach and they know what I do. They know where I stand. And they couldn't care less. They're not, they don't hate me because we're blood. They have to love me. But my heart breaks for them because darkness has them in a snare. And they think they're free. And I'm going, why can't you see the light? It's right there. It's, a, it's light. But they prefer the dark. The Holy Spirit is the only person able to convince anyone of the truth. If you fear you're captured by the devil to do his will, if, you, if you're fearful that those around you are doing the same thing, you must pray, 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 pray. If that's you and you're thinking to yourself, I'm so caught in the dark, Craig, I couldn't get to the light if I wanted to. That's a good place to start. You're about the right point right there. Because you can't. You gotta pray. If you wanna be free, the chains are waiting to be released from you. Jesus and this church would love nothing more than to share the gospel with you and for you to walk out of here free indeed. It is open for anyone 
Today is the day of salvation. The only reason you're not dead right now is because you have another chance to surrender to Jesus Christ. The offer is still open. And if you're desperate enough, you gotta pray. You gotta say, maybe I'm not seeing something. And ask Jesus to open your eyes and the Holy Spirit can do that. How do we handle those caught in evil and the evil snares around us? Church, just remember you were in the same boat. <laughs> do you know how Ephesians 2 goes? Remember the one that says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins and once you also walked, you remember that? You know how it goes on in verse four, it says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. What does, it, what does a dead person do? Nothing. But the Holy Spirit can bring life to spiritually dead people. We gotta pray, church. Pray that the Father would reveal light, the light of truth to many more, and that today would be their day of salvation. Talks about this in scripture. I, I, uh, the Lord is not slow concerning his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Number three. Jesus' death and resurrection gives anyone the ability to see the truth. Let me say that one more time, even though it is written up there for you to read. Jesus' death and resurrection gives anyone the ability to see the truth. Jesus did not say, I am a light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. There is no other plan that God has for setting sinners free. There's no other plan to get out of the dark. It has to be through the one who tells us the truth, Jesus Christ. He came to die because his death is what sets us free from evil. Here's the encouragement. Light always wins over the dark. Always does. You may feel like you're full of darkness all around you. There's darkness in your family. You turn on the TV, darkness all over there. Uh, Go to Disney. You can be happy there. Darkness all there. I mean, pick pick a spot. It's dark, dark, dark. Church, light will always have the ability to penetrate the darkness. That's what light does. You walk in this building at midnight, it is dark, dark, dark. But you light one candle in the middle, and it lights up the whole place. Some will do everything they can to keep out the light, but some church will receive the light, the light of Jesus Christ. And then they too will become lights. They too will become truth tellers in a world of darkness. Light bearers in the dark. Salvation only comes through seeing the truth of Jesus Christ. Bend the need to God's truth. You gotta do it. If you're here this morning, I don't know you and you don't know me maybe, but if you've been, if you've been walking the line and just going, I don't know where I am in my relationship with the Lord, this could be your moment. Bend the knee to his truth. Abide in it every day. Open the curtains and let the light of Jesus Christ change your life. Then you will know freedom, true freedom, because the Son will set you free. This is the whole reason John wrote his gospel. The second last verse of his gospel reads this way. 
John says to us who are reading it, these things are written so that you may, what church? So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that, that by believing you might have life in his name. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray. So Lord, I'm grateful for this time we had this morning to look into your word. I can't imagine how difficult it was for you to to subject yourself to the darkness of this world. How many times How many times your heart must have broken? How many times you watched loved ones die? Because everyone sins, sin entered the world, death through sin, death passed to all men, because we all sinned. How many times? How many times you must have watched that happen? I must have broke your heart. Shortest verse in the Bible is the most impactful one that you wept at the tomb of your friend. How sin must have broken your heart. Boy, it breaks ours too. When we see people abusing others around us and the horror that is on the television these days, the horror. How it must break your heart and how it breaks ours. And to know the truth and to see people shut their eyes and close their ears and remain obstinate to shut it out with every piece of furniture they can to block the light from coming in, how it must break your heart. So, Father, I pray that you would teach us to be lights in this world, bold and courageous. Help us to put on the full armor of God, not to back down from any challenge that comes our way, but to storm through the gates of the evil one and take captives to heaven with us. There there are so many in this church, like me, that have loved ones that we're pretty doggone certain are not going to be in heaven with us. It breaks our heart. Lord, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would penetrate through those lives and help them to be convinced of the truth. I beg of you to, to save those. Not only that we love, but this world around us is going to hell in a handbasket. You're the only hope that can bring peace to this crazy world. You're the only light that will shine through the darkness. So, Father, help us not to relinquish our ability to speak truth to be a candle, to be a, a, a huge flashlight so that we can penetrate the darkness of this world with the truth that you give us. So we don't back down, no way. We are bold and we are courageous because we have the truth and that's the only hope that will set people free. And Father, if there's some that are listening today, and I don't know if there is, but if there's some that are watching online today that don't know you as their Savior, convince them, Father, that they're in a snare captured by evil, maybe even doing the will of the evil one. Would you show them your love and your grace? 
like it says in Ephesians 2, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive together with Christ. May you do the same for them. And we would definitely give you all the praise and the glory because we can't do it, but we can help you. So use us in any way that you can, I pray in Jesus' name.